friends, thanks for joining me once again for another episode of the Waste Less, Live More podcast. We'd be hard-pressed to find other topics that help address waste and their emission implications more than composting, and we brought in one of the coolest dudes to discuss it. We are honored to have Brett Bloom on our show today. He is the founding manager of Dirt Wayne, a company dedicated to composting food scraps, yard waste, pet waste, and keeping compostable items out of area landfills. He started his business in Fort Wayne in 2019 and now serves a large portion of Northeast Indiana, currently operating in four counties, serving 10 municipalities. So pretty awesome. Um, Brett not only loves to play in the dirt, he is uh, a trained and skilled artist and has been working at the intersection of art and ecology for over two decades. His passion is contagious, and I believe that after you listen, you'll be thinking about the ways to join him in his work toward a healing, vibrant, and ecology-centered culture here in Indiana. Hey, Brett. Thanks for joining me all the way from Fort Wayne. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah. Well, when I first began this podcast around sustainability and and environmentalism, I knew one of the most important topics would definitely be um, compost to make sure we covered that. So we really appreciate you taking the time out to join us and and share your wealth of knowledge. As I was, we were just speaking. I know we this is our first time meeting, so I really appreciate your willingness. As some stranger reached out to you on Instagram, and but I have <laughs> followed you for quite some time and seen uh-huh. what you're doing in Fort Wayne, and it is it's it truly is inspiring and and wishing we had that for our community. So, um, and maybe one day I'm, I'm hopeful and would love to, and that's why I'm even more excited to speak with someone who's, who's been doing it and, uh, yeah, get all the knowledge. Yeah, I think it's spreading. It's, um, it's always spreading around the state. Indianapolis seems to kind of be doing this. Yeah. And it's like Fort Wayne is like getting a little bit and there's some in Lafayette and, there's stuff in Chicago. I don't know if there's anything in North Northwest Indiana, but I imagine things will start filling in in the Midwest in the next decade. I mean, it's not really a choice. Like we have oh. to we have to address this methane problem, this carbon emission problem, this massive amount of stuff that's coming out of our landfills. So yeah, absolutely, and I I think Bloomington has a community composting program that makes sense. Um, as well. So yeah, you're right. It's spreading. Um, so before I know you, you've mentioned already, we've mentioned emissions and methane, and I want to get all into that before we do, <laughs> which is why it is such an important topic, um, yeah. in, in regards to climate change, you can't talk about climate change without talking about food waste and its impact. But, um, before yeah. that we dive into that too much, I really want to start with just you and hearing a little bit about you, if you don't mind and sharing a bit about your business and how you got started. Sure. Um, I'm not trained um to be a composter i mean i'm a lifelong composter i started doing it before i even had this word uh, composting when i was a kid i would work in my grandparents kitchen garden and after dinner i was responsible for burying all the food scraps in the kitchen garden and the plots that would be used next year or the the following year Mm -hmm. and i loved doing that because it meant i didn't have to do the dishes and i buried (laughs) absolutely everything so when people tell me you can't, you can't compost meat. You can't compost dairy. You can't compost fat. You can't compost all these things. I'm like, well, we did. And those were the best kitchen gardens I've ever seen. My grandparents had, they came out of the great depression. And so they had this like very uh, urgent sense of how things worked, how to survive, how to nurture things, how to like 
save everything. And it was, yes. it's an ethic that just sort of resonated with me my whole life. Um, I've been working around composting and community gardens um, for decades now. Started in Chicago and uh, really doing a lot of this work in the late 90s and early zero years. And I've lived in other places. Um, I've also been active as a composter. Started Dirt Wayne because there was just a lack of activity in, in this direction here in town. We, my family and I moved back to Indiana from Copenhagen, where we had been living for a number of years. And this Copenhagen's a self-proclaimed green capital of the world. It, right. it isn't, but it's <laughs> like, but it's really feels like the future compared to being back in Indiana, which feels like we're stuck somewhere else. Like we're really mm. behind yeah. in the stuff. And so it's sort of things need to be pushed. I could go back and live in a big city where there's tons of people already doing this kind of work or really stick it out and try to try to bring this knowledge and experience and work here. Um, also looked up to Detroit. There's an amazing initiative there called Detroit Dirt. And um, the lady who runs it is just this absolute force of nature and is mm. combining uh, composting with uh, social justice and racial justice work um, oh, amazing. In, uh, in Detroit. Um, fantastic stuff. So it's inspired by that, was inspired by other things. Um, an organization, Compost Peddlers, that used to be in Austin, but is now defunct. I think there's more of a municipal collection there that replaced it, which is which sounds great to me. Um, one of the goals <laughs> we have as a company is getting every single bit of food scraps in Northeast Indiana, like into some place where it's a nutrient flow and not a destructive force. And Absolutely. so this is, this is what drives, drives the passion. It's um, you do the calculations of what's coming out of households alone and it's, it's staggering. It is. Um, and then not mention not just households, but think of, you know, hospitals. Oh, schools. totally. It's, that's more opaque. It's much harder industry. to understand yeah. the volumes there. Uh, we're not forced to share it. We're not forced to do anything with it, except maybe for uh, customer relations. But more and more companies are realizing it's actually economic, um, economically efficient to handle the handle their waste in a more proactive way. And they're developing models around doing this instead of just sending it to uh, to landfills. Oh well, that's encouraging. Because as we know, that the hard truth is economics are big drivers with this yeah. kind of stuff sometimes. I mean, absolutely. But. So there's, it's really quiet, and I don't understand why it's so quiet. Um, there are more and more major corporations, General Motors, like being one of the biggest examples that are moving to zero waste to landfill facilities. And so we have a, I mean, there's so many GM plants throughout Indiana, but there's, there's a really large one on the southern end of Fort Wayne the boast that it's zero waste or, and they, um, they have this commitment. So they're really, they see the future, they see the economics in it. They see the uh, ecological responsibility. Uh, I'm sure at some level it's kind of fantastical and it's not really all true. And maybe it's like shifting a lot of different things around to make it look like it's that, but, but they're working towards it. And that's amazing given, mm -hmm. um, the, the sort of, um, there's no better word asinine politics in this state uh, that think we need to trash our air, trash our land, trash our water to have economic prosperity. And the economic prosperity is for very few because our wages mm -hmm. or manufacturing are in the lower third of the whole, whole country, our air quality, 48th in the country. I mean, it's abysmal. And so how is that prosperity? It just isn't. Right. <laughs> right. 
Absolutely. I feel like we need to have you on, on lots of discussions. This is, (laughs) (laughs) we could go on down all kinds of trails just based on what you just said. I love it. That's great. Um, so you, you, I, I love what you said about, um, you wanting to make a difference in the community that you're in. So you chose to stay and then initiate some of these things versus just going and be a part of what is already happening. You can really be a change in your community. So you started your company in 2019, I think I read. That's correct. Yeah. And it's an independent business. You are not involved with the city. It's not a municipal composting thing in Fort Wayne. It's, it's you. It's yeah, it's just me right now. And it's very tiny compared to what is here and it, um, it just needs to grow. And there's, there's just an enormous amount of education and there's a, a massive cultural shift that needs to happen. I have a MFA from the university of Chicago and I've been a practicing artist for, for decades and really see part of what I do is, is, is fomenting a cultural shift, uh, sort of making it fun, making it very visible what we're doing, really kind of pulling all kinds of folks along uh, in, in the doing of this. And so it's this cultural shift needs to happen like statewide. Uh, we really are dominated by the sort of glorification of adhering to an old set of ideas that really aren't working about how we organize life, how we organize the economy, how we organize all sorts of things. And it just, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to have to go away, whether we sort of like are successful and, and making, organizing the shift ourselves, or we're absolutely just forced by right. the sheer, the sheer power of um, climate collapse and breakdown that's already impacting us severely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When I think, like you said, education is key. I've often said in these journeys that I don't, I don't think people are being intentionally detrimental to the planet. I think it's a lot of it's just not mindfulness, not being aware. Um, so education is key. And that was like one, you know, one of the questions we got was like, well, why should I? And, and that is the hardest part. That's one of the biggest pieces is educating why, why that you should care and the, yeah. the impact that we're making when, when we don't or when we just don't yeah. know. So let's, I mean, let's yeah. dive into that. Why, why should someone yeah. compost? Absolutely. Well, well, there are many, there are many good reasons, mm-hmm. many ways to answer that. Um, compost, well, the, the stuff that goes into your compost, these are nutrients and our current diets are pulling food from all over the world. These nutrients are coming out of the soil, coming out of the sea, coming out of the forest from the entire planet, coming to where we live. And we're taking these nutrients, we're extracting what we need for our own energy. And then we're just jettisoning them to sort of like, we're encouraging the entropy on this planet. We're sort of participating in the demise of the health of our planet collectively. When we could be taking in the nutrients in a banana peel, coffee grounds, bacon grease, moldy chunk of cheese and putting it back into the soil, like composting and, and returning it to the soil, especially in a local context where the soil is being depleted by industrial agriculture to mm-hmm. such an extent that we're, we're running out of arable land. We're running out of healthy, healthy soil. It's been so dust with chemicals, nice. chemical nutrients and chemical pesticides that the health of the land is just well, it's degraded in so many different kinds of ways. This is a whole other conversation. It, it is um, truly. I just started reading the food fix. Have you I seen that, that yet? Yeah. Well, there's so many, you know, and some documentaries out recently too that are great, but lots of books. But yeah, that's exactly what you were just touching on. And you're right. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but great Absolutely. book if anybody's interested in that. Um, sorry. Yeah. Please continue. No, it's okay. Like, well, we're turning the nutrients. So there's multiple. There are multiple levels of this. Like, the simple act of composting your food scraps can participate in a wholesale rejuvenation and 
and healing of our entire landscapes, both in conservation terms and in, in, the, in the farming that happens here. There's this massive potential uh, for doing really good stuff that, that benefits uh, benefits both our air quality and the land quality and, and the health of the ways in which people are farming. Um, there are other reasons too. There's the reason of the methane and carbon uh, emissions. So the calculations in Fort Wayne are roughly, there's like roughly 267,000 people who live uh, in the city of Fort Wayne. And uh, the EPA estimates each person wastes about 219 pounds of food a year. And it's probably higher than this. Um, but in Fort Wayne, it's about 59 million pounds of food scraps are going into the landfill. And once it gets into the landfill, it's emitting enormous amounts of methane, a greenhouse gas and climate breakdown accelerant. It's sort of, you hear all sorts of different numbers about how, how exponentially greater than carbon emissions methane is. I've heard everything from like 25 to 80, 80 times. I don't really know exactly what it is. It's much harder to measure than the carbon as well. But our, our landfills are emitting uh, enormous amounts of this, this gas. And this is something we could actually get under control right away. Carbon stays in the atmosphere for decades. Um, the carbon that was emitted when I was born in the 70s is still sort of up there in the atmosphere hovering around. Methane, I think it's like two to 12 years. Um, it stays in the atmosphere. So cutting it off now would really, um, we'd see we'd see changes in the quality of our air and uh the slowing of some of the, the harsher impacts that are coming uh, by climate climate change, climate breakdown, climate warming, whatever terminology you choose for that. So this is a huge part of it. Also just sort of like short-circuiting the landfill culture. This is something that really needs to go away. Mm -hmm. We just sort of have this giant malignant tumor instead of like severing it and repairing it, we're kind of feeding it. It's yeah. like carcinogens, quite literally feeding it carcinogens. There's sort of a, just this time bomb that somebody's going to have to deal with sometime. It's going to be a massive headache at some point. We don't, it's a relatively new invention. It's not, it's only decades old, this kind of way of doing things on such a massive scale with such horrible things inside of it. Yeah. We have no idea what the long-term impacts are going to be because we haven't lived through it. Right. So these are, these are some of the urgencies behind this like humble act of composting. Mm -hmm. it, has, it has huge implications. Absolutely. So in the simplest reason is diverting the waste from the landfill. And that, yeah. that is one question kind of as a caveat is, is we get a lot is, well, doesn't my food just compost in the, in the landfill? Like it's just going to go there and it'll just compost there. Right. And that's not oh, true. Boy. Right. I know. <laughs> it turns into, into two major things that are really horrible. Um, so it turns into methane and it's emitted and it's just sort of, this is not a good thing. The nutrients are squandered. Um, they're gone forever. Mm -hmm. And large parts of the, um, large parts of the food turns to li liquefies and turns into leachate and it mixes with all sorts of nasty things that go into the groundwater. Now they say they hermetically seal these things, but the earth shifts. These like the liners they put in tear, they will not last forever. There will be leaks. There probably are leaks constantly going into, um, going into our groundwater. And so this is like, there's just, it's not a perfect way to do things like sequestering this stuff in the ground is not a good solution. Um, they're just, it's, uh, people often say to me too, it's like, well, I just put my, uh, put my scraps down the, the disposal. Isn't that good? Yeah. I just get rid of them that way. Then they don't go to the landfill. And so we're, we're here in Fort Wayne. Um, 
we have three rivers and when it rains a lot, uh, our sewer system overflow is jettisoned into, into our rivers. And so there's a billion dollar project to make a giant tunnel under the ground, like store some of that water, but it's not gonna solve this problem completely. And what happens when you take your little food scraps and you put them in the water, not only are you using water that's been pulled from the river and cl intensively cleaned, you're putting it back into the river with all sorts of toxic things. That's again, gonna have to be cleaned in this intensive way. So it just supports the cycle of destruction and degradation. And it's like, it's a losing, it's a losing prospect. Just like you think about it in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people think, well, I'm not a farmer. I don't have a use for that end good nutrient dense dirt. Um, yeah. And I say that's okay too. And, and the simplest yeah. form, I oh, mean, yeah. yes, we're, we're cutting it that beneficial loop short by not using it, but just at the very least composting diverts it from the landfill. But then we can get into that next step too of, of using that nutrient rich dense soil to regenerate and refeed our, our land and our, our ground and our soil. Absolutely. Uh, to remediate depleted soils to replace soil in brown fields uh, or our Superfund sites, to uh, support parts of cities that have like been abandoned um, economically or, or because of race, racist histories, mm -hmm. um, rejuvenating the soil in those places, planting native trees and plants, restoring tree cover um, for all people, regardless of economics. I mean, it, it can right. go to so many things. Absolutely. Um, um, the city, this city and cities in general could have a more proactive role in, in, in this kind of like healing. The, the, the composting is a healing. It's a returning. It's this like beautiful, magical process that, that gives something like really potent um, from which we sprang, right? Our planet had to make soil before we could exist. Um, it had to, and this was through a process of composting. There had to be some evolutionary process of things dying and decaying for other things to kind of grow out of and then for life to get more complex over billions of years. So we really are made of compost or we come from compost. This is like, and we return to it. Um, it's very much a part of like what we are, though it might be hard for people to admit um, this, this aspect of, um, of our existence. I love, yeah, that's such a good point. And I just love just to even think of it as a healing returning process. Yeah, that's beautiful. So in your business, so do people, how, how does it work? Just start, and I've, I've met with some folks yeah. in Nashville before who have compost Nashville. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. those guys, but they oh, yeah. literally started out of like, I think a sedan, you know, two, two buckets yeah, yeah. in the back of a sedan. And now it's grown into this industrial composting business, robust business in Nashville. And it's, it's yeah. that's inspiring as well. How did you start and do people get their compost back, you know, in some of that nutrient dense soil back or how does that work? Yeah, they do. They do currently. I think as this thing scales up, it's harder and harder to give it back because it's so resource intensive. Mm -hmm. uh, but at, at the scale we're at now, we can give it back. But we started um, with me on a bike, pulling a bike cart and cycling <laughs> around a neighborhood full of sympathetic folks for for about six or seven months until I was approached by a restaurant that had oh, they have like eight or nine hundred pounds twice a week of, of scrap. Oh, 
and there's no way I'm going to be biking around right. a bike cart <laughs> like with this much material. Um, it's just it's not even an assisted uh, electronic bike would just not really do it. So yeah. things quickly scaled up, and I realized like, well, there isn't the biking culture or the biking infrastructure in the city to do it in ways like other cities actually. It's it's a reasonable way to do it um, to collect things. So I started using my minivan, collecting that way and quickly grew to the point where I needed help. And so I currently have four employees, everybody's part-time, uh, out collecting from over 300 households and businesses. And so it's, it's, it's slowly growing. Um, feels like a drop in the bucket compared to um, the massive amount of stuff that's out there that needs to be collected. But it started in a very humble place. Like a lot of, like a lot across the country, I'm seeing folks in various stages in Green Bay and Juneau, uh, in in Hawaii. There's some, I mean, the Hawaii is the Hawaii composting site is amazing because there's a view of volcanoes in the in the ocean. It's oh. like I have the view of a hog farm. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> which is fantastic in its own way, but it's it's no like yeah. There's no view of paradise in like really. <laughs> So you see these in Green Green Bay, Cincinnati, uh, all in various stages um, of doing this. You know, then they're like the massive municipal collections, like Portland and Seattle, yeah, yeah. stuff in the Bay Area, New York City. Uh, the current mayor, like, committed to re- reopening the, uh, the the municipal composting program, but it, it's not looking like he's going to. Or mm. it's sort of like it was put on hold because of the pandemic. Um, it's a city that really has to deal with it. They actually have no space. They have to ship all their waste outside the city. They ship their human waste by trains to, to the South. Um, anyway, it's uh, a, yeah, so um, that's what you're talking about. Like one of those instances where it's forced to happen. I mean, they have yeah. to do those kinds of things. They were forced but, to do it when they mm-hmm. had to close the fresh kills landfill, the biggest in the whole country, they had to close it or partially close it and wow. had to figure out a way to deal with it. And they immediately yeah. reduced their trash uh trash to landfill by 40 percent and so this is a common formula it's between 40 and 60 percent of landfills are often compostable material stuff that can be reclaimed yes and that's a staggering percentage that's crazy And and it was something that i personally discovered when we started composting i couldn't believe how much how much material there there was and and what i was saving out of my trash can yeah absolutely and it does inspire me people like you and the folks in nashville and these scrappy folks pun intended i guess just starting it out of the backs of their bikes their vans their sedans and making a difference and making a huge impact and it growing exponentially because people become more aware i mean the education is there people are becoming more aware and even if they're not using a company maybe they're beginning to compost on their own in their own backyards but like are we in evansville we just completed recently a climate action plan and mm. from the city standpoint and that climate action plan talked about composting, but there were goals for 2050. I mean, it was just oh. so right. Exactly. So <laughs> discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was pretty much what it feels like as a citizen within that. And so, yeah. um, so I, that's not good enough, you know? So I think, uh, so I'm hoping that there'd be some great entrepreneurial um, spirits that will be inspired and, and with some support, um, to try to take some of these things on. But in the meantime, it's, uh, you know, 
we are passionate about education and that's what a lot of, you know, what our podcast is about too, to help those yeah. individuals who want to make a difference in their own homes or their apartments, things like that, and how they can compost and, and why. And yes. uh, so, yeah, so it's, it's not ideal here. And as a caveat yeah. to that, our landfill, you know, I was on a meeting with one of our, um, with the guy from Republic, who's our hauler, you know, has the city's contract. Yeah. And he said, well, our landfill, I mean, we have like 50 years left on that. Like he was talking about it, like it was such a long time, like 50 years was a really long time. And I'm thinking, well, I'm, I hope I'm still around or at least my kids, you know, like this is not a long time for a landfill to be shut down or because it's full. And then, then where do you go? Then whose backyard are you going to try to put another landfill in? You know, just things like that. So I think there are things that we can implement as a community and as, as individuals to extend the lifespan of a landfill, funny to say, but, and for so many reasons, not just expanding the land, the life of the landfill, but like you said, the toxic methane amounts that we're throwing into the environment that don't have to be there. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be this way. We've learned to do things this way. And just in my lifetime, I've seen growing up as a child in the seventies, like I've seen this massive shift. I've seen the grocery store shift from almost no plastic to just sort of everything being drenched in plastic. It's not how it has to be. I'm old enough to remember home milk delivery in glass bottles. We had that when I was a child and just sort of the, the frugality of uh, generation of my grandparents, like it's just, it's been, it's just been set aside. It's been set aside for those, those companies that can make a lot more money by getting us to waste a lot of things and consuming way too much. And this is a conversation that doesn't happen enough. It's just, the levels of consumption um, aren't costing people enough. They're not like they're not really registering the ecological cost. The true um, cost. But yes. Somebody's gonna have to pay down the line. Like my neighbors, they're we are a household of four, they're a household of three, and they're I don't don't understand how the trash is absolutely overflowing every single week. And we put our trash out maybe a bag or two every other week. It's sort of like it's very minimal because we compost. I mean, recycling is kind of a fantasy, a fantasy sport. Um, right. Here in Fort Wayne, uh, just because they're not serious about it and they don't do it right, and mm. the sort of the landed interests uh, handling um, the companies handling it don't really care if they actually recycle or not. There's just there's not been any care. Um, there's actually potential for enormous number of uh, jobs in Indiana by all these waste streams that are just being squandered. Um, some be- some being shipped to overseas because there's no industry to deal with them. Or companies, there's a fiberglass company, I think in Indianapolis, that has to buy glass from overseas because there aren't oh robust enough goodness. like recycling efforts here to just sort of make fiber fill. Like this sort of, I forget the name of the company. But there's like, there's, there's many, many, many examples of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Like these like um, these flows of, tr- of, of waste that could be turned into um, future commodities and like actually could reduce that landfill severely, but they're, you know, the people making the money from the landfill don't want to see this either. Absolutely. Yeah. All this entrenched interest in keeping things how they are. Mm -hmm. And this is a real problem. Yeah. I do have to say is as behind as we are in composting here, we do have a fairly robust, I mean, recycling of course is the last option, but, but we do have a a robust program here and a guy who's over, I just interviewed him um, last week and he's a friend and uh, he really does care and he's always looking for markets and those things are changing. He's just staying on top of things and really making it, trying to make it as efficient as possible. It's not a perfect system, but um, trying to make it efficient. But anyway, we, but we really need to get our act together 
in regards to composting for sure. And so with that, mm-hmm. we do have lots of questions. So we'll oh, yeah, quite sure. a few, and I think they'll kind of, <laughs> it will, it will, we might tangent off a bit on some of these, but I do want to make sure we, we go down the list of sure. some of these questions. So if I want to start small, how, like, what's just a way to start where it's small and sustainable? You mean in terms of like a home, home composting? I would assume so. Yes. So we're thinking about folks who are in their home because we don't have options yeah. locally here. So for the folks that yeah. don't have a company, um, and if you do research, if you live in a city where you have a composting company available to you, like Dirt Wayne in Fort Wayne, love your name, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the girls around the, the shop upstairs, the girls around the shop, like, I keep calling him Joe Dirt. I don't know why. People call me Dirt all the time. It just happens. <laughs> it's great. quite okay. <laughs> um, so check out your cities. See if there's a, a composting company that you can work with. If not, so these are, these are questions from folks, I think, that are probably mostly local that don't have that available, that service available to them yet. I'm so hopeful for Evansville. Um, And maybe we could even have that conversation another day about teaching, training, franchising um, down in Evansville, something to where maybe we can. It's part of the Dirtway model to help spread this, whether it's um, giving advice, whether it's investing with knowledge or whether it's um, spreading to places. It just sort of, it depends on the conditions, but yeah, we can talk about that. Another time. I, I would love to. So size wise, city size wise, I think Evansville is the next largest city to Fort Wayne yeah. in Indiana. Yeah, that's so. correct. Yeah. Forever. I thought of South Bend, but it really is the third large, it is the third largest city and uh backyard composting. I mean, there's so many different ways to do it and some of it can be dependent upon city regulations. So the city of Fort Wayne, they're very strict against composting meat and dairy and grease so there's a complete prohibition against it um they're worried people are going to mishandle it and it will spread disease through rats rat-borne and mosquito-borne diseases um and it's a real concern and i think if you resp- compost responsibly you can do it uh, you just might need to hide it um there are ways to compost compost this material safely but it, it takes some understanding of what you're dealing with um, and how to actually use it and cure it and all these things. But a backyard heap for vegetable scraps, eggshells, coffee grounds, uh, newspaper, uh, shredded cardboard. This is like pretty reasonable to do. There's all sorts of commercial uh, composters. Um, I don't really like the tumblers that you spin. They're like having an extremely needy pet that needs like <laughs> constant watering and constant attention and constant pampering. Okay. Some people actually are super passionate about these things and really get into it. And if you're that kind of person, it's perfect for you because it can be deeply satisfying. I've had these like, conversations with folks, but that's not my approach. Like I, my ideal heap was something um, my wife and I lived in Ur- Urbana, Illinois, when she was in grad school and we could have chickens in our backyard and there weren't prohibitions about our compost heap and the neighbors didn't care. And so we made a big cinder block uh, U shape about five feet, five feet high through all of our scraps there, all of our yard waste, fence it off so the chickens could go in there. They scratched around, they ate the food, they left their waste, mm-hmm. scratched it in some more, made the most beautiful compost. Perfect. The compost eventually just kind of oozes out of the bottom. Like nature knows what to do. Um, we didn't have any problems with rodents. There were healthy cat populations living nearby. It was very specific conditions. Simpler thing for folks is just to make something out of pallets, make sure they're not treated treated wood. Um, you can find pallets. Usually places are willing to give them away for free. 
Uh, there's surplus, there's massive surpluses of this stuff everywhere. Making something out of like four or five pallets, uh, having a lid on it is good to keep raccoons out in places if you're near near wooded areas or if your neighborhood has has problems with 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 raccoons. Um, so the, I mean, there are all sorts of considerations when composting and uh, composting inside city limits, but it, it's fairly easy. Um, what I've done, and I really like passive composting, is just to make something out of um, uh, out of pallets. And they sort of, you can put kind of a, a lattice on the front or some kind of like a wooden gate on the front. And you leave like a two inch gap at the bottom. Within a year and a half, you'll get the sort of, uh, the soil just starts coming out on mm. its own. You just yeah. kind of, if you like layer things and what's called a lasagna method. And so layer food scraps and a layer of grass and a layer of straw, layer of leaves and food scraps. And you just kind of repeat that over and over again. Uh, especially in the summer, you'll generate a lot of heat. You'll be able to compost a lot of stuff that'll cook down pretty quickly. Okay. You'll get some effluent, but you can just put wood, like dig trench around it and put in wood chips. Catch the effluent in the wood chips, throw them in the compost heap, put new wood chips down, and just kind of keep the nutrients in, in the heap. And it's just, it's a wonderful way to do things. It's, it's fairly easy and you can ignore it. And if it smells, you throw a bunch of grass on it. You throw a bunch of leaves on it. Right, yeah. Um, but if you're if you really want to get invested in it, you can turn it. You can make a three three bay system, and you can kind of turn it every so often, and really break it down quickly, and and get a finished compost within a few months. Especially when it's hot out, especially where you are, it starts it's much hotter there in the summer than it is here. So and probably yeah. Yeah, no, that that's great. And I think, and that's good to know you can do a simple, you don't have to have multiple bins. You can do one, make it with pallets yeah. that are free. Like you said, make sure they're not treated and then, but turn it. You don't even have to, do you have to like shovel it? And you don't have to, I mean, this okay. is a beauty of composting. This is a process that's evolved for the, almost the entire history of our planet. It's billions of years old. Nature knows what to do. You have to just be careful not to make it a toxic situation. So like alternating what you're, how you're putting things in there is key. Is that when they talk um, about the browns and the greens? Yeah. That another um, question. So that's, that's one, what one, one way of doing it. So we compost on an industrial scale. So we have to talk about food scraps and vegetative matter. So it doesn't really matter. Like we have to drown the food scraps in vegetative matter. I think it's a better approach than browns and greens. So if you like, if you are, if you like take like one, like, 1% of food scraps, whatever it is, whether it is made up of browns and greens and just drown it in vegetative matter, that can be grass, um, dried or, or uh, living. This is as long as you're adding a lot more of that stuff than the food scraps, you'll be fine. Okay. Um, um, you have to be careful though. You can't compost the cornstarch plastics in backyard heaps. It's just not gonna, a household of two people, even four people isn't gonna generate enough waste to get the kind of sustained heat in a pile that you need to, 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 um, degrade that plastic. Um, well, that speaks the bio to bags. another sorry, question. Oh, no, no, that's okay. That's kind of speaks to this next question. And maybe oh, yeah. you can phase into that one about, uh, someone said when, when I see things at the store that say these are composted in an industrial environment, yeah. not, not backyard compostable. So what yeah. does that mean to be, to only have an, um, in, industrially composted right so that means that the items are in a sustained an environment where there's a sustained amount of heat and so sometimes it's like 150 degrees for like several days at a time and so we compost with uh, open windrows 
So windrows are about six feet tall by eight or nine feet wide, and they're about 35 feet long. And so in the center of it, near the top, um, you'll get, in the summer, you get 170, 180 degrees inside. And that's like ideal for breaking down these bio, bioplastics, bio, bio, these cornstarch resins. It, it means that you just, you're not going to generate that heat in a sustained way in your backyard heat. Uh, you, I mean, you might get little, little slivers of it um, for a sustained period of time. It's the, the heat usually tends to be where there's the most air coming through. And it's near, usually near the top with just a little bit of insulation. And in a backyard heap, it's a very small area. So a cup can sort of sit in the middle of it. And it's really not going to get the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, this is a problem we have. It's like you have to get the bioplastic into that sweet spot uh, for it to break down. Yeah. And uh, I wish the stuff would go away. I wish we'd go back to like just, it'd be, it'd be absolutely lovely to see restaurants and coffee shops going to like you going to a situation where you have to bring all your own utensils and all your own um all your own cups um that they they create a way of handling things and uh that there's just no ways generated and it just changes the the relationship people have i don't think it would be that hard i think if somebody figures out how to make it super cool then people will just follow like crazy it's that person figures out how to market it as a very cool thing We'll get a lot of folks to make that shift uh, or it takes a company actually being environmentally responsible and leading the way so yeah. currently i've been harassing starbucks trying to get anybody to re- reply in northeast indiana about composting or compostable cups something that they're forced to do in places like seattle where there are municipal composting programs they have to address this they're forced to but here they can just ignore us they just pretend like we don't exist so if you're able to do it real. in this community, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do it in this community. And you're exactly. absolutely and, right. And they operate on such a scale where they can really drive the prices down for right. these materials. Yes. Um, this is an often a refrain or complaint you hear from people. It's like, a, and I get it. If you're a small scale individual coffee shop, it's a really hard choice to make to pay a lot more for the cups mm-hmm. and to, to, to not... Um, feel the pressure to pass that cost on to customers and then drives your price up and hurts your, your competitive um, situation that you're in. I get that completely, but a company like Starbucks is ideal to harass because they're on such a massive scale. They've already destroyed like so many local coffee shops across the country. I think there's some penance that needs to come for, for their corporate model. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. There are people who fiercely love Starbucks and, just like getting them to kind of start making this demand um, of this place, like I think is, is critical, but it's going to take these kinds of things. Like it's going to take some actual real corporate leadership. I don't think Starbucks has it in its DNA. I think it's only when it's forced to do things, does it act? Yeah, you're right. I love the model of creating um, a reuse model and, and doing it in yeah. a hygienic way. It's possible the way we handle things and you can come up with systems like that's uh, my small scale coffee shops I go to, they're happy to take my keep cup and put my coffee yeah. in there and, and so forth. But, but you're right. And I think that's what makes education difficult too, with the compostables, with the, the bio plastics and things where you say you kind yeah. of wish those would go away. And it's somewhat me too. Cause I feel like people are spending more for those items and then it, they don't understand that it, that you can't just throw it in your backyard. It's not going to compost. So it's really just more expensive yeah. trash oftentimes. 
That's more uh, destructive too, because it's going to produce methane in a landfill. Yes, which is just like right. it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> we're helping the environment by giving you this biodegradable right. cup, which you're just but it's, take and, and it's marketed away. that way. And so oh. I don't blame necessarily always the consumer. They just, you just don't know, and you read it, and you say you think, oh, it says yeah. compostable, so you think it's good and it's better, when in yeah. fact it's it's not at all, and you paid we've more been, for trash. We've been uh, needling Trader Joe's that actually they actually compost. Um, and they give a lot of food to uh, expired food or nearly expired food to um, food rescue organizations. And they're fantastic on that level. But they have biodegradable plastic forks and, and stuff in their stores. And we're just kind of like, you've got to educate. Tell them they can compost it with us, collect it. We'll come get it. Like, do something. Like, take the next step. Otherwise, you're just like, you're making things worse. Just give them plastic. Yeah. Real plastic. Just put it in the damn ground and let it sit there. I mean... This is a this is a moral calculus that is so abysmal to have to participate in, right? Like yeah. making that decision. Like people get mad at me. It's like, why are you telling me that it's better to put plastic in the in the landfill than to have this biodegradable fork? And it's like, well, it becomes destructive if it's not dealt with. Yeah, properly. in a proper yeah. way. And a lot, most commu- a lot of communities don't have access to people like you or have access to industrial composting. So yeah, yeah, no, don't. it's just it doesn't exist in so many places. Mm-hmm. But they have the fan the fantasy cups. I mean, it's a fantasy that they're it participating is. in. You're, that's a that's a great way to put it. You're right. Fantasy cups and forks and plates. <laughs> all those yeah, things. all these things. Um, paper, what about like paper plates, things like that? Can those go in your backyard compost? Yeah, as long as they're PFA free. And so you want to make sure that you're, uh, and, this, and this is so hard to verify. Companies aren't always required to report if they're PF, uh, yeah, PFAs. Um, in their um, in their in their paper foam, you got to make sure that your your paper plate isn't coated or um, saturated with plastic to, to stop the uh, stop moisture from going through it. You have to make sure it's biodegradable and not you know sort of filled with this uh, material that is just really bad to put in the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of care and a lot of attention that needs to be given, like. With that, so pizza boxes. So we, it's funny. There's um, a compost with a local realty company. They're fantastic. They have one one building downtown next to a university that's filled with students who eat enormous amounts of pizza. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so we have one dumpster just for their pizza boxes. Oh wow! But they they can't be coated. They can't be full color coated at all. It has to be a sort of simple color and, and mainly just the cardboard, uh, uncoated cardboard, or unbleached cardboard, and. Um, fortunately, the the folks the uh, the folks who do all the property management are really passionate, and they help pre-sort this. Like when people throw stupid things in there, oh, um, but it's sort of uh, there's a lot of education around these things. You just don't want that plastic coating that's just unnecessary on pizza boxes. Like right. here, you can't you can't compost, uh, you you can't recycle um, soiled cardboard. The, the cardboard actually does get recycled, but if it's unspoiled, it's unsoiled and it's reusable here in town. But that soiled cardboard is like perfect just to cut it up and put it in the heap. It breaks down really, really fast. Um, and it doesn't, yeah, that's a good thing to add. Yeah. I, I imagine there is so much quality control for your business. I can only imagine, especially the things that people might throw in yeah. that can't be thrown. Oh, it's exasperating. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, um, I, for a while I was photographing all the contaminants. I'm like, come on, people! I mean, this is a this is a thing you see from almost every person who composts in this way. 
it's just something you have to deal with. People don't really give it much thought um, often. Um, So you mentioned the word biodegradable. That was another question that came in. If it's, if something says it's biodegradable, does that mean it's compostable and what's the difference? (laughs) Yeah, this is like confusing and tricky, right? So biodegradable could mean compostable if it's made of the right materials that are compostable. But now there's this, uh, whole class of uh, products on uh, on the market that are biodegradable in a landfill. So they're bioplastics, but they're, um, but they're made with polymers that have bacteria in them that will decompose an anaerobic condition. Yeah. The anaerobic conditions of a landfill. So they're, they're methane, little methane bonds. They're not good things to have around. They just should not exist. We don't need, Again, these things maybe it's better for them just to sit in a landfill than to like be top, like to create this um, worse situation by their accumulation. So you have to be careful. Like California is great because it bans biodegradable products from calling themselves compostable if they're not compostable. They have to be certified by certain standards, um, have to be tested, and they can't be this sort of like weird stuff that breaks down, but it's not, um, is not a nutrient. You don't want it in your soil at all. Right. Okay. So just because uh, it says it's biodegradable doesn't mean it's compostable. No, you have to be careful what you're dealing with. Um, there are a lot of chip bags and there's a company making these like bags that say they're biodegradable, but they're, uh, Smoothie King. I don't know if you have Smoothie King down there. Um, okay. Well, they have the styrofoam that's biodegradable in a landfill. It actually says it on there. It's very important to know that that means don't compost it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Just uh, maybe just don't go to Smoothie King. Right. Um, <laughs> don't don't well, use this. There's a, cups. there's a there's a great irony, right? They're, they're about personal health and yes. your healing and your, oh. your healing journey, and sort of they won't address like the damage and the um, the attack on our collective health by the products. So yeah. it's very frustrating. Absolutely. And to circle back when you said anaerobic environment, I just want to clarify that in our landfills, they are anaerobic, which means there's no oxygen. Right. And so that's why things can't like compost like people would think in a natural environment of your backyard, because there is no oxygen in our landfills. Um, Yeah. The waste that the bacteria, the anaerobic bacteria produces is the methane. It belches that stuff out. Absolutely. Um, this is this is one we get a ton. This was we got this question multiple times. Um, how do I compost in an apartment? There's a there's a Japanese method that's fantastic. Um, this whole involved way of sort of like making a coffin out of cardboard boxes and newspapers, but then you have to have some place to take it. <laughs> there's a really elaborate process. I've never tried it. Uh, a friend of mine in Kyoto sent me uh, sent me diagrams on how to do it um and it's something you could actually just sit in your living room and it doesn't smell it doesn't leak and it's this great way of composting but then you have to have some place to take it so, and it's called um, what japanese composting is that what you there's said? a japanese compost like cardboard box composting cardboard boxes um okay i can try and look it up for you and share share it with you later it's a i don't know how so but it but it is paired with services that take it so oh, it probably isn't an ideal thing for somebody living in an apartment in Evansville or Fort Wayne. Um, what about worms? Someone else. Worms are great. Um, there... My wife might not agree with this statement, but 
<laughs> when we first started dating, I had a composting tower in my apartment in Chicago and I did have flies, um, fruit flies for a certain part of the year. Uh, I didn't mind them at the time. She didn't mind them. I don't know why, but, um, now they're sort of like, uh, they're not welcome in the house. Um, <laughs> when you're first in love, people tolerate a lot. People tolerate so much. Oh my gosh. You can just go back to that. No. Um, I had this like multi-tiered, uh, worm composting. It was actually a sculpture made by friends of mine from Copenhagen for like my, like super tiny apartment, um, spaces where you could compost vertically you have multiple heaps going simultaneously so you just feed them all at different times and the worms can migrate up and down uh within within the system it's really fantastic yeah. and it's a small space and you can make some soil for potting or whatever you could even go for a walk and just toss it into bushes somewhere it's like yes. the compost was was that great it was like that really that wonderful when it was oh. done that's great. Yes. I thought at first when you said go for a walk and toss thing, I, we have bushes outside of our business and I'll take my banana peel or whatever. And I'll just go throw it yeah. underneath the bush. Just the banana peel yeah. itself. You know, I'm like, oh, I don't, uh, anyway, <laughs> I don't have a place for this right now. We'll just take it right outside. Um, so apartment, that is, that's tricky. If you don't have a, a company or a place to deal with it, it, yeah. it is trickier. Maybe if you can get down with the worms and you don't mind the fruit flies, it might yeah. be a, it might be a possibility, but it's there's um it's also possible that like sympathetic landlords can give space like if there's a oh, if you have a backyard amazing so that happens I mean there are sympathetic landlords here that will provide space I that the apartment I lived in where I had the fruit flies the 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 worm composting and their their friends of fruit flies um I had a I and mean, here's a whole other way to to do it too um. It's, you just dig a, a, a hole and you put a trash can in and cut the bottom out of the trash can. You just dump everything in. And when it's full, you pull the trash can out and you cover it. And you keep repeating that. I did that for the dog waste um, oh, really? of my two dogs at so the time. It, so we could maybe even approach landlords who have some extra land around their buildings and, yeah. and potentially offer this type of method, this trash can yeah. method, so to speak. That sounds amazing. One thing you could do, I don't know if you have a big sidewalk outside of your store, but there are all these sort of like European bench systems where you like, you've got a bench and a little bit of garden and you can put the compost in and it slowly feeds the garden. And there's a, there's a public space to sit, sit at outside the huh. storefront as well. So there are things like this. That sounds but, amazing. Uh, I'm going to have to look make, that up. If you have a link to that, you might have to share it. That sounds yeah. really cool. I might need reminders. Um, yeah, but, the, uh, but I think it's easy enough to do. I think there's actually a product uh, that I've seen repeatedly. I get, I get all these advertisements for composting products. I'm just like, I, I don't need to see these things. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm interested, but it's sort of like, I'm You're not like, going to do this. I'm trying to advertise like, myself here. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, the um, we're not a, a major city. Uh, like you're outside of Fort Wayne in minutes into the countryside. There's like tons of land. Like that kind of set up is for denser places or for or for stores that really want to sort of punctuate it right mm -hmm. maybe isn't necessary it's like maybe not a necessary thing outside of a storefront in in evansville or fort wayne maybe it's maybe maybe it is in indianapolis definitely in chicago but uh it's like you're right yeah, about punctuation a, and then education it's a conversation it can for it sure can so it's really great for that and i think that's really good but then it needs to be connected to something bigger too it can't just sort of be a terminus uh terminal point in and of itself yeah I mean, it needs to be connected um the thing i dislike 
really intensely about home composting are the this like brand of products there's like $400 countertop things that you put your food scraps in and it heats it and cooks it and turns it into soil in a matter of hours. Um, and it's sort of posited as this like tremendously green thing. And it's sort of, there are so many things wrong with that. It's like just the disconnection from natural processes, not really seeing it, hiding it. It's just like further, it's a continued abstraction of these natural processes, really disconnected, but you're like, making this thing out of all this plastic that needs this electricity and then creates a situation. I think that conceptually is really, really uh, detrimental in the long run, just to have machines doing this work um, and disconnecting us from these, these major processes that sustain us. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I, I can appreciate short-term solutions at some points, but I think ultimately it's just like you said, the shift in the change in culture that we need yeah. to eventually get to. And these things might even pause some of that progress yeah. because we're trying to think of these other options. But in reality, we really need just an entire shift in our system. Yeah. What that thing does is it posits a nuclear family as a monad detached from social responsibility. And so it doesn't, it doesn't encourage collectivity, communality, um, a shared sense of responsibility it's like it really pushes everything on to the individual and it's just a lot of the people i serve like would not like with with our services would not be able to afford one of these things oh right right i think the vast majority of people and there are populations here in town that can't even pay five dollars a month to have me compost like there's like there's abject poverty um in in our city and in our state that's systemic, that's historical, that needs to be addressed. And composting, this kind of composting solution just infuriates me when I think about that situation. I mean, I get livid about it um, because of what it effaces. Um, so it's sort of, uh, and the one I'm thinking of in particular is is made by this company that otherwise has done really great stuff, but I'm not gonna go into that. Um, I stopped using their, product, their products, even though I loved them because they started making these things. It just it's not a healthy way of thinking. The solutions need to be collective. They need to be communal. They need to be shared. People need to understand to sort of like we have to rely on one another uh, yes. to be fed, to have roads, to have a healthy environment. And we have to be responsible within that to to our to our neighbors and fellow fellow citizens. Yes, yes. I love that. We are such kindred spirits in that way, in that mindset of thinking. I love all of those things that you're saying, this communal aspect, this caring for one another. And in doing so, caring for the environment and, and as composting, looking at it as something that is healing and giving back to what's given to us so, so much. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. I never thought composting could sound and be so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's really magical. I mean, I know the it science is. behind it and I'm yeah. engaged in it constantly, but it like there's a beauty and magic and profound, profound qualities to it that just inexhaustible i find it really fascinating constantly learning more and more about it i mean it, it, it's it's as ancient as this planet is and it's it's the stuff that like makes us makes us possible like, like right right why are, why are we paying more attention to it <laughs> so dumb <laughs> all the Absolutely. things that like make us who we are like the air the water and the land we just kind of like trash them like yes and we get surprised when cancer rates spike. We get surprised when 
deforestation happens and human encroachment unleashes like pandemics like we were we're shocked like yeah. but we're not taking care of things and the rain and the floods and the temperatures all, and these the, things. all of these things absolutely For sure well brett i appreciate all the things that you're doing um to Thanks. change that in your community and in surrounding communities so much and you've inspired me and hopefully we can chat further on how we can maybe make some progress in our community down here in southwest indiana um, yeah. after seeing all the impacts you're making in northeast indiana so um, sounds great thanks again, for i appreciate your for time the invitation. so much yeah, yeah. yeah and hopefully we'll, we'll probably get some more questions and would love to maybe have you back on later in the future yeah anytime i i can talk about this stuff like way too much no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. well it's great that means you're passionate about it that's perfect absolutely yes so, well, again so nice to meet you again i feel like i found Likewise. a new friend and i appreciate it and we'll, we'll keep yeah. the conversation going thanks mary all right thanks brett have a good day what an amazing episode with dirt lane i never thought i'd be this excited about dirt we will definitely be following up uh, this podcast with lots of info in our socials to help keep the excitement, momentum, and motivation that I hope you're feeling as much as I am toward getting your composting journey started. We don't want this important conversation to stop here. So let's encourage one another and our community to begin doing the important work of healing our land one food waste pile at a time. I hope you'll keep us updated on your progress and don't hesitate to reach out on our Facebook or Instagram page at 6th and 0 with questions. And if we don't know, we'll find someone who does. Until next time, don't forget to be kind to yourself, kind to one another, and kind to our planet. <music>